Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today.
second message was on the power of prayer. When a person is truly born again, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, then there is great power that just begins to pour forth. God says the uh, fervent prayer of a righteous man does so much good that avails much. The third message was on the prerequisites of prayer. If we're going to really get answers to prayer, there are two things that we must be willing to do. We must be willing to listen to every command and then obey every command of Scripture. If that's your heart, you are well on the way to getting some amazing prayers answered. Number four, we talked about the authority of prayer. And that is that we must have every prayer in the name of Jesus. Now, it is good, perhaps a proper to say in the name of Jesus, I pray. That's more than just a saying. In fact, we probably better not to say it if it's not meant. But when we say it, we should mean it. I pray this in the name of Jesus. What we're saying is, the name of Jesus is a saving name. And so, what we're praying then, with this request, is the request I'm giving something that would save souls? Would it be for the salvation of lost souls? And number two, would it be for God's glory? And if that's the case, then we can say, in Jesus' name. Otherwise, it's not good to sign somebody's uh, name to a check that didn't approve. Number five, faith for prayer. We must have faith in our prayers. Now, we must be careful to realize that it's not faith in our prayer, but it's faith in God. We oftentimes say, prayer moves mountains. And in a sense it does, but it's better to say, God moves mountains. Prayer moves God. It's not faith in faith, it's faith in God. Number six, we talked about the spirit of prayer. We are to pray without ceasing. How can we do that? I mean, how can we keep on praying something if we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel? Whatever God said, look, keep on praying. When you perceive the will of God, then you keep praying until Jesus comes. And it might be a year, it might be a decade, it might be several decades. George Mueller prayed for some of his friends. It took 60 years for one of them to get saved. And then number seven, the fuel for prayer. Abiding in Christ. What does that mean? It means to be converted. It means to be cleansed. It means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means to have a committed, confident life. And when we abide constantly that way, then God said, this blankest faith and anything you ask will be answered. Number eight, we've got not the encouragement for prayer. There was only one letter that came back. Be that one. Be the one in any crowd that always gives thanks to God. God, I'm just going to stop right now and give you praise. In fact, God says be specific. Just as specific as the request. If we pray a specific request, then we ought to give a specific thanksgiving to God. Number nine, we talked about obstacles in prayer. The fact of the matter is sometimes we can't get to God because there's something in the way. We talked about idols in the heart. We must get rid of every idol. Nothing but Jesus. Jesus first. And then he talked about the time to pray. Many Bible characters pray early in the morning. In fact, that is probably the most prominent. There are, however, many times when it talks about praying in the night. In fact, David said three times a day. Then he said seven times. He said, all right, it's midnight. The fact of the matter is, fix 
suffer, or I do. Like, what do I say to God? Well, when you have the Bible, you know what to say. He already wrote it. He understands the language. It's just like talking to someone in their own language. He understands it. And so when we pray Scripture, we move the hand of God. Now today, get ready in your spirit to receive this. The sin of not praying. Wesleyan Methodist pastor and author Samuel Chadwick said, The one concern of the devil, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless religion. He laughs at our work. Trembles when we pray. In that regard, I believe there are four specific areas we need to consider if we're going to defeat this sin of not praying. Number one, the disobedience of prayerlessness. As we think about this serious issue, we realize that God holds no punches here. And I'm not here to try to make anybody unnecessarily feel bad, but I will tell you, I have no intention of not delivering the message God said. It is called sin. There's absolutely abundant proof in Scripture that prayerlessness is not just a bad idea. It is not just an oversight. It's not just a little slip-up. It is sin. And in fact, the Bible actually calls it that. We're not saying that this is just some terminology, some hot-bothered preacher decides to say. A preacher was wired for sound with a lapel mic. He had one of those wires hanging off of him. As he uh, moved briskly around the platform, he was chirping that mic going wherever he went. He then moved to one side, he got all wound up in the door. Nearly chirping, he chirped it again after several circles and after several turning around. A little girl in the third pew leaned over towards her mother and whispered, if he gets loose, will he hurt us? Well, I will tell you, when we don't pray, we certainly hurt ourselves and God, but it is God who tells us that prayerlessness is sin, not just some round up preaching. The people of Israel hoped that Samuel would pray for them. And in 1 Samuel 12, it almost seems as though Samuel was startled. He said, you want me to pray for you? You hope I pray for you? you it's your desire I pray for you? And that's the answer. God forbid that's the answer. He, they were wondering, would you pray for us? He said, what? Pray for you? Are you kidding? I've always been praying for you. And I would sin against the Lord if I would stop praying for you. For those needy people in Israel, they believed it would be a wonderful blessing if this man of God would pray for Samuel said, it's not just something I might do. It is my God-given duty to pray for you, especially for those who have been given the privilege of authority to pray for those who serve with them. And likewise, it is the duty of all of us to pray for each other. In fact, that's exactly what the brother of our Lord said, James. In James chapter 5, verse 16, pray for one another. There it is. I mean, you couldn't get any more straightforward. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Pray for one another. We should pray when we wake up. We should pray when we're walking around. We should pray in the services. We should pray before and after. God says, pray 
is saying we need to spend 25% of our time in praying, realizing that we can be delivered and others can be delivered from evil. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, he said, they just thought it was temptation. Deliver us from evil. Jesus said, if I don't pray for deliverance, if we don't pray for deliverance, then sin is only minutes, hours, or days away. The great reformer John Wesley said, the neglect of prayer is a grand hindrance to holiness. He abounds the great prayer author. I'm sure many of you have read one of his books. You can get those online for free. Ian Pound says in his classic book on prayer, he said, nothing distinguishes the children of God so clearly as prayer. You know, public demonstrations of our love to God are one thing. But you know, private prayer all by ourselves when nobody watches us, that's a whole other thing. If we can pray in silence, if we can be out there by ourselves really talking to God, that says something about who we really are. In fact, Ian Brown says it's the infallible mark that a person is a true Christian if they're prayerful. If you can pray on your own, you can take some time, you can talk to God, and you can get a scripture, and you can pray it back to God, that's a tremendous mark that in fact you have Christ in your soul. Are you a person who can pray? Are we in a spirit of prayer? Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus said about the temple, he said, you know what the temple really is? The temple really is a house of he didn't say a house of preaching, although preaching took place. He didn't say a house of praise, although praise took place. He said, my temple is a house of prayer. We are praying for the protection of our nation. We are praying for people. Let me give you a concrete example without talking about how that praying in the temple protects us from sin and delivers us from evil. Let's say you come to church. You're here. You're in the pew. You're in the chair there. You're enjoying the wonderful service. You're in a spirit of prayer. Now, I would think you would agree with me that it's very highly unlikely that you will have a glass of Jack Daniels right there in front of you drinking that in between the, the songs. You probably won't do that. Now, out on your own or wherever you are in this world, at some party somewhere, some business thing, whatever, that may not be the case. The fact of the matter is, you probably won't be drinking in church or smoking marijuana. I don't think so. My point is, when you're at church, when you're praying, when you're serving God, you're probably not going to be sinning in that regard. J.K. Johnson, in his book, Why Christians Sin, told about a small town that had been a historically dry county. But one of the local businessmen decided he was going to build a tavern near that area. Christians from the local church were concerned about that. They knew that it would lead to other things that were not good. And so they planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. And it just so happened that shortly after that prayer meeting, lightning came, struck the bar, and burned it into the ground. The owner sued the church, claiming that it was because of the prayers of the congregation. The church hired a lawyer to argue in court. We were not responsible for your tavern burning down. The presiding judge took the initial review of the case and then stated 
matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer, but the Christians do not. We do need to believe in prayer. And the fact of the matter is, it's obedience. Prayerlessness is disobedience. Number two, there are some consequences to prayerlessness. First of all, God's people are deprived. There's so many things that we could receive if we would just pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus said, Pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, very likely, Jesus was alluding that the Jewish mind would get it. Daily bread, well, that goes back generations to when Moses was there. They would pick up that manna. They were in the desert. They were wandering. And he was saying, you too are in the desert. This world is a desert. You're God's people. But you need to pray every day that God will supply for you. And because of that, you need to realize that if you don't pray, you're not going to have that provision. In fact, we are instructed in James chapter 5, verse 13, if anybody is afflicted, let them go to a counselor. No, not that that's a bad thing. Maybe. Almost the right one. If anybody is afflicted, let them go to the doctor. Well, that's needful at times. If anybody is afflicted, let them take some medicine. Again, not a bad idea at certain times. But one thing is always appropriate. If anybody is afflicted, and that just means the word hardship, that's what the word actually means. Any hardship, any hardship, it makes no difference what it is. There is nothing that doesn't respond to prayer. God said, if you are in a hardship, pray. All too often, God has just pointed us out. When we don't pray, we don't have wisdom. When we don't pray, we lack peace. When we don't pray, we lack power in ministry. The fact of the matter is, many of God's children go through life basically like a glorified atheist. I mean, frankly, they don't have the power that Christian can have. That's the thing I always, I always feel so good about. In any kind of a situation where we're someplace, you know, in the classroom or we're in the business or whatever, or whatever's going on, they were stuck someplace. And the one thing I know is that I have a secret weapon, and I'm sure others in the room probably do too, but I know I do. Because they just have to depend on the goodness of that person or whatever, or hopefully that teacher will be kind, or that boss will say something, but we have a secret weapon. I get to pray. They don't get to pray. I get to pray because I have a God who loves me, and I get to talk to Him. That is something that we miss out if we don't pray. In First Chronicles chapter ten, verses thirteen and fourteen, we find the circumstances surrounding why Saul died. It's a serious situation. Saul is God's choice to be king. Saul blew it big time. Look what it says in verse 13. He died for his transgression. He didn't just die. We all died, but he died sooner than he needed to. Why? Because of a transgression, a sin. He committed against the Lord. So what he did was a sin against God. In fact, God clarified even against the Word. So not only is it really a personal sin against God, but here's what Saul did. He did something unscriptural. What did he do? Well, it was say, he kept not, he asked counsel of one that had a Jewish spirit, he went to a witch. Now, I'm not talking about that lady that uh, had to work there, but I'm talking about a real witch. Someone who had a familiar spirit, someone who was demonic, 
of David lives. And they buried it in the Africa that he so loved. At the foot of a very tall tree in a small African village, there was his heart. I guess the question I asked us this morning is this. If your heart was to be buried in the very place that you love most during life, where would it be? Do we love God enough to say, I enjoy, I must spend time with God? It proves our weakness when we don't pray. It proves our laziness. I don't know what it is, maybe because of our electronic distractions, maybe just uh, whatever it is, but we, most Christians have a no-effort prayer life. It's the set of size of your God determines the size of your prayer request. And the size of your prayer request determines the size of your answers. If that's the case, the size of our God often is very small, because we don't really ask for very many things. I was at an office this week of a financial lady and doing financial services, and there in her office we had a sign that said, pray big. I loved it. I commented on it. Pray big. And I will say this, praying big is not always easy. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. And there in the Garden of Gethsemane it says, be in agony. Be in agony. He prayed more earnestly. And it swept with those great drops of blood falling down the ground. Praying is hard work. And we're praying and believing God. Well-known early American missionary to the indigenous people was David Brainerd. In the very beginnings of America's country, his heart was so hungry for God, it is said, that he was known to be overcome with just prayer for the lost souls. And he would even drop in the snow. Deal right there in that cold snow. I love this follow-up story. To me, it's tremendous as it strikes the healthy balance between praying and working. A sea captain was a wonderful Christian, a great prayer warrior. He was on a ship and a fierce storm was blowing and someone came to the wheelhouse where the captain was. And they shouted above the winds, Why are you not praying? The captain said, I pray during the calm. When the storm comes, I sail my ship. You know, too many people do the opposite. They wait until the storm comes to pray. We ought to be afraid of them. There are times to simply get the work done. There is the emergence of prayerlessness. Now, how do we rid ourselves of prayerlessness? And I must admit, and I shamefully do so this morning, I've often failed to be the prayer where I should be. But I can also say, by the grace of God, I have some victories. And I would humbly offer these three suggestions on how to overcome the sin of prayerlessness. Number one, I would say the best thing to tell me is fixed hour praying. I know whenever I put something on the calendar, I'm more likely to do it. If we set a time early in the day, at night, whatever the case is, along with some Bible time, we pray so much more. One great missionary, author of the notable book, The Normal Christian Life, had a motto. It's a motto actually we follow at our home for the children for a good bit. The Bible, the 
motto was this, no Bible, no breakfast. He said, I had that motto, not as a law to bind me, but as a motto to remind me. I like that. Now his point was, if I can't find time to read my Bible and pray, then I don't take time to eat. And that would be a definite wake-up call for some of us, I will tell you. Now for me, personally, I'm the exact opposite. I can't read my Bible but the model is still the same. If you have time to eat, then you do have time for Jesus. Make sure of that. Fixed hour praying. There's a second type of praying that I believe will help us break the sin of prayerlessness, and that is instant praying. Instant praying. Years ago, I found the pastor a very challenge to remember all the requests that people would say. I can't, I'm, this is no way of even remembering how many people before service and after service, pastor pray, pastor pray, pastor pray. Well, I wanted to be faithful to that, so for a while I had a little bigger life card in my pocket with a little lacrosse pen, okay? And then I tried a little, uh, a little binder, a tiny binder there. I tried everything, but it didn't work. I don't like things in my pocket. And then I tried to write it down. Well, I mean, it just was a disaster. And so, I learned that instant prayer was the best way to go. And that kind of followed along what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. He said, be ready. Be instant. In season, out of season. And so what I do is that I stop at the moment. So a person might say, Pastor, what do you pray for? And so usually, right at that very moment, even as they're giving me the request, I'm praying in my mind. I pray for this person right now, move on to the next person. But because that's the way the nature of church service, the way it works. But the fact is, if we can pray at the very moment, rather than say, I'll pray for you, pray. Let's say, I will pray for you, pray for my family. Or if you have a moment, just say, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. I found that so much more gets done for the things of God. If someone sends me a text, or an email, or even a passing conversation, and then sometimes the Lord will just to bring them to mind while I'm wherever I'm at, and I whisper a prayer to them. Or for them. Whisper a prayer in the morning with the old hymn. Whisper a prayer in the evening. Whisper a prayer in the evening to keep your heart in tune. And then sometimes God will just bring them to mind early in the morning when I had my little time. Just like this morning, I was uh, 4 o'clock on the dub. Food there, and uh, then uh, in a little bit, I, be, I sat down and I just began to pray. I said, Holy Spirit, lead me. And so many of you came to mind. And one of the nice things about sitting in the same place is I kind of know your faces, remember you. Sometimes I always, always remember the names that I talked to. But I prayed for you, and I was praying for so many different people this morning, but fixed hour praying, and then instant praying, and then finally. The fact of the matter is, every Christian should be comfortable with the Lord to just have a conversation with the Lord. And you probably should do it as much as you can in private, because if you do it in public, people probably haul you off and put you a little white jacket around you and send you there. The fact of the matter is, we just simply say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I, earlier today, I 
We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.